The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your Case IH dealer in Southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used Case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and a wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use podcast code Rouge, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a Rider's Prize package. Welcome to the Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. Rider podcast. Welcome to episode eight of the Rouge Report. We got a tremendously special episode. Uh, one of the greatest of all time, best ever do it at quarterback, Ricky Ray, four-time Grey Cup champion, a fifth on the all-time yardage list of the CFL. And I grew up really, really enjoying his play in the CFL as I followed it. So it's it, it's kind of crazy to get a chance to to talk to one of the best ever, throw the ball up in uh, north of the border. So without further ado, here's episode eight of the Rouge Report. Welcome into episode eight of the Rouge Report. We have the GOAT, Ricky Ray, four-time Grey Cup champion. It is a pleasure to have you on here. How's it going, Ricky? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to talking a little football. No doubt. So we'll start with um, where you kind of grew up. I know you, you claims you're from Happy Camp, right? Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Happy Camp is a, a small little town in nor- Northern California. And um, that's where I was born and lived there until I was about four years old. And then eventually we moved moved to Redding, California. So I more claim that I'm from Redding. Uh, that's where I grew up. But uh, Happy Camp is definitely... Um, uh, where it all started for me. Yeah. Well, when you look up Ricky Ray, it says from happy camp. And most people are like, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, what is happy camp? Was he born <laughs> at like a, a summer camp? Is that where he was Almost born sounds at? like a cult. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely, um, a lot of people bring that up. Um, they're kind of, uh, wondering where that place is, what that place is. And, um, I'm sure I get a lot of different thoughts from people of, of what they think it is, but it's just a small little town, um, up in Northern California. And, uh, you know, like I said, I lived there till I was about four and then, uh, moved down to the big city of, of Redding, California. <laughs> yeah. And I actually wanted to get into your time at, uh, Shasta college, the community college for the first two years and like, just what are your thoughts? And then also you, you started with, you, you had a season with 199 attempts without an interception. That kind of became a trend. Like, what do you, what do you attribute that to? And kind of just take me through Shasta College. Yeah, so um, after high school, um, you know, I wanted wanted to keep playing football. And uh, the community college here in Reading um, gave me that opportunity uh, to, to keep playing. And, and eventually, you know, I wanted to to try and earn a scholarship and and – continue on to, to university. Um, so I, I went out to chess college and, and earned this, earned the starting job and played two, two football seasons there before I transferred to Sacramento state. But, um, it was looking back. I mean, it was a great experience. It, uh, it's kind of where I learned really how to play, play quarterback. Um, as far as like the, the passing game and, and really relying on that. Cause you know, coming up through pop Warner and, and through high school, I mean, you're, you're running the football, 
to, to win games. And um, you kind of throw the football just to keep teams off balance. Um, at least that was the case with, with my experience, um, you know, coming up, uh, you know, through those times. But uh, when I got to, to Shasta Junior College, um, we actually threw the football, um, threw the football a lot. And um, that's where, like I said, I learned how to, to, to read um, progressions and read coverages a little bit better and just kind of get a lot of confidence and experience with that. And yeah, I had a good, good stretch of, um, you know, almost 200 attempts without, out an interception. And I think that's kind of where I, you know, started to um, find out what my strengths were as a quarterback. And uh, usually everywhere I've kind of been completion percentage um, and kind of that efficiency um, was always around the top marks of, of wherever I've kind of been. And, um, I just kind of, that came, became my strength is just, uh, completing a lot of passes and, and trying to have a lot of positive plays and, uh, just being, trying to be as efficient as I could out there. Do you attribute that to more like on field decisions or like preparation before, like the week before the game or do a mix of both? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a mix of both. I think a lot lot goes into that. Um, I think it just you kind of get confident in in the style of play that you have, um, and that it was one way that I I had a lot of success, and it came easy to me. And um, I think I just kind of kept developing that and getting better at that. Um, it, it's weird because I think as a quarterback, and I, I Cody can and you guys can attest to this is that um, something in your mind tells you whether you can complete a pass or not. Like when you're, when you're dropping back and you're reading, you know, your receiver and a defender and you're seeing an area or whatever, something in your mind is telling you to throw the football. And I think, um, you know, in some, some cases your mind will tell you, no, I can't complete that pass or that doesn't look good to me or whatever. I think I just started maybe, erring towards more completed passes and, and not taking as many chances or my mind just worked, worked that way or preferred that a little bit more. I know I'm kind of getting a little bit deep into it. Um, but I think it just kind of became one of my strengths and I tried to play towards it as, um, just trying to complete a lot of passes and, and, um, really refining that part of my brain of, of knowing, um, you know, what, what I could complete and what I couldn't complete and, mm -hmm. and getting really good at that. But definitely, yeah, I remember. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I remember you talking about find a completion. Like that was what helped me so much in the CFL because you throw an incompletion, you're probably looking at like a 75% chance you're going to punt the ball right on second and 10. So one of the biggest things, you just knew where to get a completion. It didn't matter if you threw a one yard pass and you got a completion. Now your second and nine is a lot better than second and 10. Second and eight is a lot better than second and 10, right? So that right there, it was just kind of, it seemed like that was your mindset was every time I drop back, I'm going to just find a completion. Doesn't matter how far it is. We're going to get this ball moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, it helped me a lot because like you said, I mean, for me, my natural tendency is I got to use my, or my skill set as a quarterback. Like I can't drop back, look, and then run for five yards or run for 10 yards and use that as my completion. I had to, um, find a completion, I guess, um, whether it's a check down or taking, um, a receiver that, um, 
you know, is a little bit shorter in the progression rather than trying to put it out there um, and taking a few more chances. So my way of, of keeping positive momentum going um, was always, you know, check downs or just finding a completion to, to keep you uh, moving in the right direction as an offense. Cause like you said, uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to complete second and medium than, or convert second and medium than a second and long. Well, back in the day, I saw Ricky Ray get loose a little bit. You had some legs back then. I had, Come a, on I had a couple good runs, but uh, that's that's what it was, a couple. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't one of my strengths to, to be able to extend plays and be dangerous in, in that way. So um, the only way I could really, like you said, get a positive play out of something that wasn't um, – going to be good was by maybe dumping it to my running back or taking a shorter pass, getting the ball out of my hands a little bit quicker uh, rather than having the ability to um, elude the pass rush and get outside the pocket and, and make some plays downfield. Um, you know, I just didn't really have that ability. Yeah, no doubt. I, I want to, we want to kind of just fast forward into your professional career because you had such an interesting journey and I know you, sh you've shared the story with me and, I think our listeners would love to hear just the transformation from when you got a job working for Frito-Lays, right? And then you get a call to go to the 49ers camp. Am I correct? Yeah. That's kind of how it went. Yeah. Just take us through that process. You are like, I'm done with football. I'm going to get a job, good, steady, stable job. And then all of a sudden you get a call and you're like, well, maybe I'm not done with football. <laughs> just take us yeah, through that. Yeah. So um, I think that's the one thing you find out. Um coming up is, and playing sports is everybody's got a unique path of, of how they've gotten to where they're at. And, um, mine was, you know, I've, I finished playing at Sacramento state and really, I mean, I, I had hopes that maybe I could keep playing somewhere. Um, I did all the pro days and all that stuff, but just didn't have any opportunities. So, um, just real quick, did you know much about the CFL when you're at Sacramento state? I, I did not. I did not. Okay. Um, I knew a little bit about it because Sacramento actually had a CFL team, but I mm -hmm. never really watched any of the games or, gotcha. okay. you know, that was a long time ago, man. It wasn't so easy just to look up online and find stuff. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, um, I really didn't. I knew uh, arena, arena football was going well and the NFL. And then can't, the Canadian League, I, I didn't know much, much about. So um, once the NFL um, didn't work out, um, I didn't have any opportunities there. Um, the Arena League, nobody was was interested. I I just assumed, you know, hey, you know, I'm done playing football, and um, so I started interviewing for jobs after I graduated from from Sacramento State with a business degree, and I ended up taking a job with Frito Lay in their management training program, and uh, went to work with them um, over the summer and. I remember not liking it, um, to be honest. Like I, I wasn't sure if that was the path or the job that I really wanted to have. I, I just, just wasn't enjoying it. And, um, I finished work one day and I went golfing and nice. when I got done golfing, I looked at my cell phone and I had like 10 missed calls and, uh, from my wife and my agent. And so I'm like, man, what's going on? <laughs> so, um, I called, called Allison and, uh, she was like, Hey, uh, your agent's trying to get a hold of you. The 49ers want to sign you. And, um, 
I said, what? And so I, I called <laughs> I called my agent and he's like, hey, the 49ers need another another quarterback to come to camp. One of their quarterbacks um, had got hurt playing in NFL Europe, I think, and um, he needed sh- shoulder surgery. So uh, they're looking for a fourth quarterback to come to camp in like, in like three days or something like that. And um, I was like, yes, I want to do that. Like, um, when, when was the last time you threw a football? Oh, yeah, it had been a few months. Like, I went through <laughs> all the, um, the pro days, like in the springtime. And this was, what, middle, end of July. And so it's, it had been a couple months since I had worked out, ran, thrown a football. Dude, like, I was, nonstop. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was dead into, you know, this, this new job that I had. And, uh, and golf, of course. And, uh, so I didn't really care cause I, I, I had already knew that I wasn't enjoying, um, this, this management training program and wasn't sure that's the path I wanted to have. So, uh, when this opportunity came along, I was like, um, I didn't really care what kind of shape I was in. I, I wanted to do it. And so I, um, I told, told the people at Frito-Lay that I had this opportunity. They were really supportive, said, Hey, let us know what happens. Um, so they, they gave me the green light and yeah, I I just, uh, went out and started, you know, how you try and work out and do everything in like three days, you're working out and running (laughs) and throwing as many football as you can trying to, you know, get, get in shape for, for training camp. And like a few days later, I was, I was down in, um, down in training camp with the 49ers. So, um, yeah, just weird how I got that kind of second, second chance to keep playing and just having that experience, um, um, with the 49ers going through training camp with them just gave me kind of a, a second opportunity at football and, and made, made me think, Hey, I should give it a year, um, see where it could take me. And, uh, that's what I decided after that training camp experience was to kind of pursue it a little bit more, uh, before I jump back into, uh, the working world. Did, did that time with uh, the 49ers lead directly into your time in the AFL with the Fresno frenzy? So that, yeah, that was, um, so I spent training camp with the 49ers, um, actually got re-signed during uh, the regular season for three weeks. So um, they released me um, at the end of training camp. They went through week one, they signed another veteran who uh, came, who was released from another team to come in as their number three. And so they went through week one um, and they had some injuries. So they, they had to get rid of the, the veteran third string quarterback because of salary cap. And so it actually opened up an opportunity for me to come back and be the number three. Cause you know, I was making league minimum. And so I got to spend three weeks um, with the 49ers again during the regular season uh, before more injuries happened. And um, I got released um, for salary cap and other reasons as well. Um, so I, so that kind of as the NFL season kept, um, unfolding, I had some other workouts with a few other teams, but nothing came around. And then I was thinking maybe I could, you know, get a chance to go play in NFL Europe. Um, and that nothing was happening with that. And then, um, arena two was, um, kind of starting out here on, on the West coast with, uh, Fresno was having a team, Bakersfield, San Diego and Hawaii and a few other were starting another little division in arena two. And, um, so I got an opportunity to, to try out for that team and, and play with them for their first eight games, um, in the springtime. And then obviously that led into, uh, getting a, a chance to, to get to, to Edmonton's training camp because our coach, 
Um, Rick Warman had played in the CFL and coached in the CFL, and um, he got me an opportunity to to go to Edmonton camp. And that that relationship did he was he just like after he watched you practice stuff was like man this guy could really kill it up in the CFL or was that like a budding relationship how how did that Yeah so he um kind of his pitch to to get um people to come down was um he he told me hey you know you come come play here um try out for the team with Arena Tune if you make it and you do well I'll I'll try to to do my best to to help you um, get some other opportunities. Um, and he, he told me that, you know, about the CFL and his connections there and, and, and some of his connections with the NFL. So that was kind of his selling pitch to, to get us down there to, to play. And so I went down there and um, uh, tried out and made the team and ended up playing the first eight games. And uh, during that time, he told me to um, one week, he told me to write down like some of my goals and, um, you know, where I wanted my career to go. And I, I think I wrote down like, you know, to, to play and, and hopefully get a chance to either play in the NFL or the CFL and a few other things. And so like a few weeks later, he came up to me before one of our games and, um, he was like, play this game. Like it's your last game. And uh, I thought at the time he was just trying to like pump me up and, and, and get, <laughs> get me ready for the game. Uh, but after the game, um, he came and said, Hey, um, I got an opportunity for you. Um, I, I spoke with the people in Edmonton and, and they want to, they want to, you know, bring you up to training camp and, you know, are you, I know that was one of your goals. Are you, you know, willing to, to take this opportunity? And of course I said, yes. Um, this was like on a Saturday after Saturday night, after we played our game and he's like, but you got to leave, you got to be there on Monday. And, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, this is what I I've been working towards is, is to get an opportunity. And so, um, I drove from Fresno back to Sacramento, packed up my stuff and was on, was on a plane the next day, uh, to Edmonton. So it happened, happened pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, that's super quick and just moving around and you were obviously with Allison at the time. And so talk to me about your relationship and you telling Allison like, Hey, I got to go to Canada for football and how that (laughs) played out. Yeah. So, um, while I was playing with Fresno, we, we had kind of a unique schedule. We, we practiced like, um, I think it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, had a walkthrough on Friday and then played games on Saturday, but we were practicing for like, it was like two hours every evening. So I would, I would play the game on Saturday and she would come, if we were at a home game, she would come down and watch the game and then we would drive home on Sunday. And so I'd be back in Sacramento Sunday, Monday, and then drive back to Fresno on Tuesday. So we were kind of already balancing uh, a little bit of a away relationship. And, um, but when I got the opportunity to, to go to the CFL, um, I mean, obviously she was excited for me and, and I knew it was a great opportunity. And even though it was a quick turnaround, we'd kind of already been doing the mm-hmm. football apart deal a little bit. Um, so, I, yeah, we were just excited and then a little nervous and, um, you know, just jumped right in it. And it was it was weird. I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, during training camp, um, you know, in the dorms, like thinking, man, what am I doing? Like I'm in a different country. I have no money. Yeah. Um, I can't even, I can't even call home because it's long distance and, you know, all that stuff. Um, 
you know, so it was, it was weird, but, um, you know, just football and teammates and, um, you know, having that chance just kind of, you know, helped me to, to stay focused and, uh, you know, keep working towards something that I knew, um, you know, I wanted to keep doing. Yeah, that Frito Lay job was probably looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, man, I gave up all that for, you know, because, uh, you know, rookies, um, I think at the time we got like the team would give us like $50 a week or something just to have some cash. Other, and, you know, we weren't getting paid uh, for mm-hmm. training camp. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, not like you have a ton of time to, it's not like you're out doing stuff anyways during training camp, yeah. but um, yeah, it was just really weird, really weird time being in, in a different country and um, you know, playing a different game than you grew up playing and trying to get adjusted to all that. And uh, you know, kind of just being a little bit isolated at the time because you know, it wasn't um, wasn't so easy to, to call home and do all that stuff uh, back in 2002. So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of thinking, but uh, like I said, football and you know your teammates and all that just just kind of kept kept you kept you moving forward. And that's, I think that's what people. I think some of the listeners don't realize for American guys. I mean, ch- things have changed now, but you had to go to a new country, open up a new bank account, figure out your phone, how it's going to work up there. Some guys, like I remember, even in 2015 when I came up to the league, I didn't have any data. So like, I went to Walmart. I would be out of the house on Wi-Fi, order like an Uber. And then I'd get to Walmart and I, I remember standing outside a Chuck E. Cheese trying to link to their <laughs> Wi-Fi so I can get an Uber back home. And I just look like this creepy guy standing outside of Chuck E. Cheese trying to <laughs> just yeah. get out of their Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I think, I think a lot of people don't really understand the, the little things like that that make it really difficult for some of these guys. Um, you know – you're, you're up there, you're trying to make a team going through all the things that you mentioned. And then you don't know if you're going to make the team, but you got to be out of the dorms by two days after the first preseason game. And you don't have a place to live, but you haven't even gotten a paycheck yet. And, you know, you're trying to find a place, you're trying to make the team, you're trying to learn the playbook and you don't even know where you're going to live or who you're going to live with and all those sorts of things. And, um, and then, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, and then you're, you're learning all that. And then it's like, okay, they want to, they want you to sign a six month lease to live in an apartment. And you're like, well, man, I haven't even made the team yet. And <laughs> there's no guarantee that I'll be here for the whole year. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of like stressful. Little, yeah. You're like, what do I pack? Yeah, what, like, do I pack? Like, what do I take with me? I can be gone for six months. So. It's funny uh, you say that about yeah. training camp because I remember like spending all the last money I had on all the draft prep stuff. You go up there and for two weeks you don't see any money, and then we go to Calgary for our first preseason game and get the per diem, and I, it was like two hundred dollars. I'm like, I'm rich. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, the per diem's like the greatest thing, man. Like uh, getting that cash was was always fun to get on the away games. It, it was almost funner to play away games because because of that, you got to eat out and. Yeah, you know, enjoy Experience. a little time. Yeah. What's your favorite city that you played in? We kind of talked about this early in one of our earlier episodes. What was your favorite city? Like, um, it's like to travel to. Yeah, travel oh, to okay, play. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed um, different things about them, but 
like for instance, like you, you're in Regina, right? Like I, I did not like going to Regina in a sense because it was hard to just go out and eat in Regina. Like we're staying at a hotel downtown. There's not a lot of options to eat somewhere. Um, half the time we're playing on the weekend. So the whole city's like closed, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're, you're trying to get a pregame meal and nothing's open. And everyone knows who Ricky Ray is. Oh, yeah. And um, so in that sense, it's hard. So um, plus, you know, it's a difficult place to play. But um, but that's what also made it a lot of fun, fun playing, playing there and playing against against the Riders. But uh, I really enjoyed like Vancouver. I mean, that's a, a really nice city. You just love throwing a spiral love throwing in the dome. dome. <laughs> love being by the water. The weather was was nice. Um you know, there's plenty of options to, to sushi, or, yeah, to yeah. get whatever you wanted there. And if you wanted to take a walk, you know, down by the water or whatever, it was just, just really nice. Um, just easy to get around, um, you know, where we stayed in the city. And mm-hmm. uh, so I probably really in, in, enjoyed there. Cody, I remember you telling me a story about Ricky at Vancouver, but I can't remember the exact details. Of him like running a race or something up up the big hill. <laughs> oh yeah, I talked about that. You're injured, yeah, and then you did that hike, right? What, what's it called? Yeah, the grouse grind. Grouse uh, grind, yeah, yeah. So, Doctor- yeah, I, I was I was hurt. I would, um, had shoulder surgery in the off season and was still recovering from that. I think that was it. Yeah, I think yeah, it was my shoulder. I've had so many injuries; it's hard to remember. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so I, I wasn't playing and we had a couple guys that, uh, I think, um, one of our assistant equipment guys, a media guy, a couple media guys, um, were like, Hey, we're going to go run this grouse grind. It's like this famous, um, hill that people hike or run, or you just try and make it to the top as quick as you can. Do you know what you're getting yourself into? Um, not really. <laughs> uh, I knew, I knew kind of a little bit about it, but, um, I didn't know really what to expect. So we get there and it's kind of a little rainy-ish. Um, it's wet, really humid. We get there and we just take off and everybody's kind of going at the, I think there's like four of us. Everybody's going at different paces. And um, I was just trying to make it under an hour. And I think like the record is like 25 minutes. Some people do this oh stuff gosh. really crazy. I think it's, wow. I'm guessing, I'm not for sure, but I think it's, maybe three kilometers to the top and it's just uphill the whole way. And, uh, so I, I knew I wasn't obviously going to be able to run it. So I, my goal was just to not stop, to just try and walk it as fast as I could and not stop. Hmm. And like, um, about halfway through, I mean, I'm just like, man, like, I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to make it without stopping. And the only thing that kind of kept me going was we had this media guy that that we were kind of walking it together and I kept thinking, I, I cannot let him beat me. <laughs> like, I, I, if I come in last place, like I will never hear the end of it. And so that just motivated me to, to keep pushing through and to not stop was just to, did you guys die? No. Get- so we were kind of even all the way to about <laughs> three quarters of the way. And like, obviously the mental games that you're having in your mind of like, come on, just stop guy. Just stop. So we both can stop. Uh, but he, he never stopped. And, uh, so finally, once, 
once I had gotten close enough and I knew mentally that I was going to be able to finish it, then I just had a little bit left in the tank and was able to, to kind of power ahead of him, um, the last few minutes and, and finish ahead of him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, big conf- confidence boost for me, but it, it was cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I got to do it. It was, it was difficult. Um, but, uh, fun experience to have. Um, and that, that's, what's cool about the CFL too, is when we travel, not that you're going to do that when you're playing. Um, but, uh, you know, we get a chance to kind of travel around and, and actually be able to, to see some of these cities and, you know, go out to eat and have dinner with, with some of your teammates or friends you have or family you have in town and, and get to experience it a little bit. And I don't know if yeah. you know this or not, Ricky, but like obviously Cody was traveling with you when he was a young quarterback, but whenever we go to new cities, he's like, come on, we're, let's go. I'm like, all right, where are we going? He's like, well, this is where Ricky took me. So this is where we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you learn from, from other players and, um, you kind of get your, your routines down and, um, but, was Coach Moss your guy? Was he your away he uh, roommate? Was. So um, Moss and I roomed together, and he was he went through different phases though. Like he was a, um, you know, we'd get to town and we'd go to the keg, and you know, he'd spend half his per diem that first <laughs> meal um, because he just really enjoyed you know eating and having good food yeah. and 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 doing that and. Um, I obviously, yeah, I obviously was like, man, I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars on dinner. Like I'll go with you. But, um, I tried to, my, my, so eventually I got to the point where, um, my frugalness kicked in. And when we got handed the per diem envelope, I would try and leave, take out like a hundred and leave the rest in the envelope and see, um, you know, I still wanted to eat, but um, just try not to waste all my per diem on, on just food. See, that taught me that. I do the same thing. I'm like, this is what Ricky did. This is what yeah. I got to do. You know, well, but it's nice when you get home and you got a package of money after yeah. all the games and you're like, oh man, yeah, some good money. And you think like, you think about it, it's like, people are like, well, it's free money. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you get the per diem thing, it's free money. Like just go spend it. Well, to me, it's not like I have it. It's mine now. So it's like, <laughs> If I, if I, if we get, you know, 300 bucks for a road trip and I come back with 200, um, you know, that, that meant more to me than going and spending $300 on eating out the whole time. Like I get, I guess, enjoyment and security and having some money saved, I guess. Well, yeah. When you come from, you know, absolutely nothing, you're like, shoot, I don't care how much money I'm making. I'm trying to pocket yeah. as much as I can. And, uh, and you were and you were having kids towards the end of your career. So now you got to feed three mouths, four, including yourself. For you sure. Know? And I don't know if Cody's told any of you guys about this, but um, we used to joke with Cody because he'd always be doing his his off-season budget <laughs> towards the end of the year. And he'd be calculating it down to like the last dollar he'd have left. And um, we'd always joke that because his, his favorite, one of his favorite movies is Moneyball. And um, what's his name? Is it Billy Bean? Yeah, yeah, Billy yeah who's like a number data guy and so we joke with cody that he's you know doing his bean his bean <laughs> budget but really it had two things it was for Moneyball, and it was because he had so little money left that he was he was gonna have to eat cans of beans just to, <laughs> to stay afloat 
And it was so hilarious because I was hurt. I hurt my shoulder that year and you were injured as well. And I remember everyone was kind of looking over my shoulder because I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to budget my money out and see what happens. And I remember you and Logan Kilgore were looking over my shoulder. So I was like, oh, I'm going to circle like a dollar and 50 cents. And I circled like a bunch of times and I was like shaking my head, like pretending like that's how much money I was going to have. And you guys are like, dude, what are you spending all your money? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's great. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about Edmonton. So you go to Edmonton 2002 and Coach Moss, he's the starter. And by week four, you have to play, I believe. Yeah. And that's against BC Lions. And you tore it up, I think. You threw for four touchdowns, I believe, in that game mm-hmm. for your first start. Talk to me about that. Like nerves. Were you the third to start the year or were you the backup from the get go? Yeah. So um, I was, I was, we kind of went through this as you were getting online, but um, so I went into training camp as the number three out of four, but one of, one of the guys was still hurt. So really I was, um, and there was three of us going through training camp. And um, after the first game, uh, they released the guy that was ahead of me. So for the last couple of weeks in the last preseason game, it was just me and Jason uh, Moss wow. there. So, I mean, I was getting a ton of reps. Um, and then the, the second, the second preseason game, I, I played the second half of that game and uh, didn't have to split any time with anybody. Uh, so that was awesome. Um, and then going into the season, we had signed another guy um, just so we had three, you know, going into the season, obviously to try and bring him up to speed and, and all that. And, um, Jason, after week one, I think he'd gotten a turf burn. We played in Calgary and he got a turf burn and it got infected a little bit. And so he'd missed, um, I can't remember if it was one or two practices, but he missed some practice, um, going into that next game. So I got the practice, you know, during a, like I was a starter for, um, which is rare. Yeah. Which is really rare. So I got basically all the reps, um, you know, kind of going through that week as Jason was recovering from a, a little infection. And, um, and then like the next week, um, his wife, Marge gave birth, um, to their first, first kid. Um, and so he missed another practice. And so I got like a whole nother day. Uh, yeah. So it, it, looking back, it was like the best thing that could have, could have ever happened for me was, was getting so much, um, so much time and, uh, just to help build confidence and know what I was doing out there. And then, um, Jason got hurt. Um, and yeah, the fourth game of the year, I, I got my, my opportunity and I felt really prepared for it. And I mean, the situation was, uh, we had a really good team. Like, um, they, they were, uh, they'd gone to the, to the West final the year before, um, a lot of veteran guys on the team, a lot of great players. So I was, you know, coming in and, and playing for, for, really probably the best team in the CFL. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I was nervous. Um, you never know what's going to happen. You want to play well, you don't want to mess up. You want to, you want to do all the things that you want to, you know, you want to play good and, and all those sorts of things. And you're kind of, you know, battling all the, the self doubt and, and trying to trust that, uh, you know, you can do it and, and lean on some of the experiences and confidence you've had, in the past and, um, you know, how I played in the preseason, all that. Um, so really I, I just tried to 
be relaxed out there and, and know um, just, just to play my game and, and run the offense and, and uh, not try and do too much. And um, yeah, we had a great game and won the game. And I think I ended up playing uh, two more games after that before Jason, Jason got healthy again. Um, but yeah, it was just uh, kind of the perfect storm that happened for me to, to get my first, first playing time in the CFL. And you got to play with Coach Moss for for quite a bit of your career. What was that relationship like? Because I know I, I don't know if it's rare or not. Because I feel like me and Cody have it too. But that kind of like camaraderie between the starter and the and the backup and like who's playing, who's not. Like just talk about that relationship. Yeah. So um, we had obviously a great relationship, um, and I really owe a lot to him for it because, I mean, I I've never I never really had experienced like everywhere I'd been up to that point, like, um, you know, I had gotten along with, with all the other quarterbacks I had been on with the other teams. And, um, so going to Edmonton, you know, like all the things we've said, new country, new place, new team, new everything. The first day I got there, Jason really made me feel welcome. Like, um, we went and met with the coach and, he was like, instead of him just saying, all right, nice meeting you. See you later. <laughs> he was like, Hey, you want to come work out with me? We're going to go work out. And then some of the guys are going to come around. We're going to, we're going to throw and, and, um, get a little practice time in. And so he said, Hey, come, come with me. So, um, I tagged along with him for like the next few days before rookie camp started. And it was really something he, he really didn't have to do. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. could have just, like I said, just said, you know, see you later and we'll see you when rookie camp starts. Um, he really um, got me involved and took me under his wing and involved me with uh, with everything. And um, just having that trust and respect um, just really helped our us to build a, a good relationship. And um, I think with Jason and I, we competed a lot, like – we competed in everything we did. Like there, we had like, um, competitions on anything, whether we're golfing or lifting weights or playing a uh, racquetball or, or whatever. And, and, but when we got on the field, I think we, we had an understanding that we were just trying to do the best that we could. We didn't really turn it into a competition between me and him. It was just a, trying to do the best that we could, uh, individually and, and, and help the team. And, we never let um, anything kind of creep in into that, and uh, we were able to uh, just support each other and and whoever was in there playing. Um, we weren't trying to sabotage the other guy or or talk bad about each other. We were just just trying to do what was best for the team. Yeah, that, I mean, it seems like the CFL is more quarterbacks are closer. Like you see some of these NFL guys who are making a lot of money. They don't really take the young guys under their wing. Or you see like a guy like Roethlisberger, I think last year was like, oh, I'm not going to mentor this guy. But in the CFL, it seems like every single guy who started somewhere, somebody has taken them under their wing and then they've kind of just paid that forward as their career moved on. And so I just feel like the quarterback fraternity in the CFL is much closer than the NFL. How, how do you feel? Cause you've played in the NFL and you've played in the CFL. How'd you feel about that? You, you played with Chad Pennington, I believe, mm-hmm. right. When you were at New York, Yeah. Uh, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, with the 49ers, I had Jeff Garcia, Rick Meyer, Tim Rattay and Gio Carmazzi. Wow. Yeah. That's and, impressive. um, with the jets, I had, um, 
Pennington, Brooks Bollinger, um, another guy. Um, Quincy. Yeah, Quincy Carter came. And another guy we had in camp, I think his name was Chris Finland or something. Um, and, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a little bit different. Kind of like um, with the 49ers, I had a, a really good experience with them. Um, I remember, um, a couple crazy stories I had with those guys. Um, but, but great guys, they, uh, I remember going out and golf. they invited me to go golfing with them a couple of times, but it is different. Like, um, you know, with the jets and stuff, um, great guys too, but it just, everybody's just kind of, like you said, just kind of doing their own thing a little bit more, um, than you would get in the CFL. And I don't know if that's, um, a product of when you're in the CFL, lots of times you're living with other guys on the team. True. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're more of a college feel, right? Yeah. It's more of a college feel. feel. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time you're rooming with the guys outside of football. So you're spending a lot more time with them outside of football. When we go on road trips, um, you have more time to, to do things together where my experience in the NFL you're on a road trip. I mean, basically you're at the hotel doing meetings and then you're getting up and playing the game right away the next morning. Um, so just a little bit less opportunity to just have that away from football time to really develop some of those relationships. But um, I, that's one of the great things about playing in the CFL is that it gives you um, more time to, to do that. Yeah, no doubt. So you have a great first part of your career in Edmonton, but I got to fast forward to 2011 when you get traded to the Toronto Argonauts. Talk me through that process. Did you know you were going to get traded or did this just kind of come out of the blue? Um, Did you feel like, man, I I solidified myself here in Edmonton. I'm probably going to play here the rest of my career. Um, Well, I was definitely surprised, but, um, but in a sense, we were going like my first three years in Edmonton, we went to the Grey Cup every year and we won two of them. And um, really the first time I've really felt a lot of adversity, um, I guess that's not wrong because um, my first couple of years of starting, um, I kind of played like Jason and I went back and forth. Like, you know, one week he was starting, next week I was starting. So I, was facing a little bit of adversity with that. And in my second year, um, I went through a little bit of that early in the season as well with, with, uh, Bart Hendricks, um, getting benched a couple of times, uh, for him. But really in 2005, when I came back, um, I, I went through it again. So I, I kind of been facing a little bit of adversity with that, but the team yeah. was always doing well. And then after those first three years of going to the great cup and, um, winning two of them, we kind of went through, a series of years really from 2006 to 2011 of just being really up and down um, as far as the team in Edmonton, missing the playoffs a few of those years and, and not really advancing. Um, we, you know, we played in a couple finals, um, but just not really the same team of success as we had early in my career. So I, I knew, and, and a lot of changes were happening. We had coaching changes, GM changes, yeah. all sorts of things. So there was change that was happening. So I knew, um, going into 2011, we had a new head coach. Um, we'd just gotten a new GM, uh, the, the year before. And, um, you know, so you never know what's going to happen. And, and, but we had a good season. We, we started the year like five and oh, um, we went to the West final in 2011, had a really successful season. 
Um, so I thought, man, you know what? Things are moving in the right direction. And then um, I get a call uh, that December after the season that, uh, hey, you're being traded to Toronto. Uh, so definitely I was um, caught off guard in that sense, uh, just based on the season that we had. But uh, just kind of looking back at um, all the ups and downs for that, um, it definitely made it made it uh, more plausible that that would happen. And you had a house in Edmonton, correct? Yeah. Were yeah. you back and forth from Reading to Edmonton? We did. We, had, still, we uh-huh. still did um, the half and half, just, um, you know, coming back here, um, enjoying family and, and the nice weather and all that stuff. Um, so when, when did, I guess my question would be, when did you buy that house in Edmonton? Because buying a house in a place you're playing, you're kind of like saying, hey, I'll be here for a little bit. Yeah, you are. Um, we... Um, we bought our house when I came back um, after the 2000. When I came back in 2005, we ended up buying a place. And so about so five, I had it six for, years. for a while. Yeah. And it just uh-huh. made it easier for us to kind of come back to something concrete every year rather than, than finding something. So we did take knowing the risk that, um, you know, you could be somewhere else. Um, we, we took that uh, into consideration, but we just felt like having a, a solid place was what we wanted. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, got traded. It was really weird. So I, I got the call like maybe Sunday, Hey, you're being traded to Toronto. And then Toronto calls me and says, Hey, we just acquired you. We want you to come <laughs> tomorrow for a press conference or come the next day for a press conference. And so I went from finish the season, going to a West final and thinking it was pretty successful to you're being traded from mm-hmm. the team you'd been with for nine years. And then a day later I'm in Toronto having a welcome press conference and it's the wild, wild west, this DFL, man. And like, so in, a, in the course of like three days, I had, I had gone from, you know, being in Edmonton to now being in Toronto and, and playing for a, a totally different franchise and team. It was just, I mean, just happened really fast. So they, they booked the schedule and they put Edmonton, your first game. Yeah. So talk yeah. to me about the nerves playing your old team. And, and cause it looks like you went 0 and 2 in the regular season, but you got the best of them in the postseason. So just talk to me about those three yeah. games in particular, um, how your nerves were yeah, the whole season. Uh, but It's funny. Cause like, um, I think about this too, but you look at a lot of these athletes and you, you see them and you're like, man, how are they so confident? And so, you know, just sure of themselves or whatever. But uh, my experience playing sports my whole life is there's a lot of nervousness and a lot of um, uncertainty and self doubt that, you know, I had to kind of to manage. And I'm sure you've felt a lot of those same emotions playing. And um, so I was nervous, man. I would, you know, you want to, you want to beat your old team. You want them to feel like they made a mistake, right? Even though that's not what I'm saying outwardly, that's the feelings that you're having internally. For sure. um, So going back to Edmonton, it was, you're thinking about a lot of other things that, that you really shouldn't be thinking about um, or you're not normally thinking about, um, you know, going into a football game. Yeah. And so that, I mean, it was, to me, it was good to get that away right, right off the bat rather than having, First it game, be, yeah. Yeah, having it be like week six where you're thinking about it for six weeks before it happens. So mm-hmm. it was nice yeah. to, to kind of get the in Edmonton game out of the way. And uh, we ended up losing that game. And so 
the game in Toronto, which happened later, later down the road, the same thoughts you're thinking, man, I, I want to beat my old team. I, I can't lose. Them and you already part. lost to him once. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you lose to him. So I'm owing two. And so you're kind of feeling those things of like, Oh man, you know, they're probably saying, Oh, it was a good decision or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You're, <laughs> you're telling yourself a story, right? You're yeah, making up sure. a story in your head. And, um, so then the end of the season's kind of unfolding and, um, it looks like Edmonton is, it might be the crossover team. And so I'm thinking, Oh man, like if they become the crossover <laughs> team and I'm just thinking of the story that's going to be written. Yeah, right? of like, course. Of course. I get traded. Edmonton's happens to be the crossover team and they come beat Ricky Ray and man, what a, what a story for Edmonton. Right. Yeah. And um, so you, you're having all those thoughts in your head and they end up being the crossover team. And so um, I'm just trying to not let my mind think of that as much as I can. And just, so think, that's how you kind of approach this game a little different, not letting well, your mind I'm, kind I'm of just, wander. Yeah. I'm just trying to like say, Hey, you know what? Like just, just play it another game. You're trying to like, you know, downplay all that stuff in your head. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, just try and say, and just deal with the situations that's in, in front of you. Like I have no control if they're going to be the crossover team. I have no control really of who we're going to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just try and focus on what you can control. And so um, I just tried to keep telling myself that leading up to the game. And, and that's why I tell myself a lot in, in most games and, and especially um, big games and, and, you know, all those things where you're having a lot of self-doubt is just control what you can, what you can control and, um, try and, um, you know, prepare yourself to, to play your best and, and expect yourself to play your best. And so, um, you know, just fortunately, <laughs> you know, we're able to, to win that game, um, not only as a team to, to keep advancing in the playoffs, but just for me individually to kind of have a little bit of, um, I don't know, revenge, I guess, or just a little bit of, or, or g- gave me a chance to, to move past the whole trade thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, like a monkey off your back. Exactly. It kind of set the bar back to, to even for me as far as like, okay, I, I beat my old team. It was in the playoffs. Um, now I don't have to think about it anymore. Like now playing Edmonton is just going to be another game for me. Um, it's not going to Did you feel that helped you kind of just say like, we're going to win this great cup after that game or Um, you weren't even thinking about that? Not really. Um, not really. I mean, that game obviously gave us a lot, gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of confidence for the team moving into the next game, but we still had to go to, to Montreal and beat the, you know, the powerhouse of the East, uh, Mm -hmm. for the East final, but definitely the momentum of, of that game carried us into that next game. But just for me, it, it helped me to not have to have those same feelings I was having um, every time we played Edmonton. Cause if we would have lost in the next year, we played them, yeah, it would have been the I same thing. I got to, you Man. know, I want to beat them. I got to beat them. I got to put this behind me. So it, it gave me a good chance to kind of, to, to put, put all that behind me and, and to move forward. And um, yeah. So thankfully that happened. And I kind of want to rewind just a bit because you you obviously won the the Grey Cup in 03, took 04 with the Jets, and then come back and you win it again in 05. And those were like early, early on. What 
what what was your mindset like after winning two Grey Cups right away in your career? Like, wow, this is going to be like. And then it, it follows up, obviously, with missing the playoffs a couple of times. But just describe that roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because, um, you know, when you when you first get to Edmonton as a player, like you get indoctrinated with with just the great history that they have. Like, man, you know, the the championship teams, the, the great players, um, you know, the expectations they they'd. they'd been to the playoffs, um, 30 something years in a row, like just the, the history of excellence that they have with that franchise. And, um, and then you get there and like, you're playing on, on a great team. And so the first three years, it's like, you kind of take for granted how, even though you're, even though you're still dealing with adversity and, and all that, um, you know, throughout the season, but, you know that you're a good team and, and that you're winning and you're going to make the playoffs um, and all that. Then you go to missing the playoffs for the first time in like 34 years. And then you get stuck in these funks as, as, as a team and as a player where like, you feel like you can't even win. Like you're, you're losing most of your games and you just can't put your finger on why you're losing. Whereas before it seemed like you were always winning. So that's, that was, hard to kind of deal with um Mm -hmm. and just mentally and um you're seeing change happen players getting cut and coaches getting fired and you know you're dealing with all that other adversity and um so it it just became a roller coaster of um not knowing what's going to happen and you know you one year you would you would make the playoffs and the next year you you wouldn't even you know come close to making the playoffs so it kind of went through a little bit of a roller coaster, um, kind of the last six years of, of my time playing, uh, with Edmonton. So I, it, it, you know, it just a lot of adversity you got to kind of overcome and, and try and stay confident and, um, you know, definitely makes it a, a, a lot tougher. Yeah. The 2005 great cup, I watched the ending to it just before this podcast. Uh, just take me through your thoughts. So you guys are in overtime, and yeah. Calvillo throws the ball, it gets tipped, then he catches it, then he throws it again. The guy's wide open in the end zone and he drops it. Yeah. And I, I didn't even, I couldn't even tell off the side copy that he even threw the ball the first time. It just looked like he pump faked and held it back. Uh, and then he gets sacked and then he steps up in the pocket and rips like a seam ball. And the DB makes an incredible play. And now they're out of field goal range because you're up three. So just take me through like you've had some barn burners. Yeah. And then I think the year before, you had a failed two point conversion where you would have went 18 to 18 and they end up winning, I think 26 to 18, but just like yeah. you were Montreal, these barn burners in the great cup early in your career, it just had to be such a foundation for you moving forward. Talk to me about both those games really. Yeah. Yeah. So my first year, my rookie year, um, we played Montreal at home in Edmonton for, for the great cup, my rookie year. So <laughs> I mean, quite, yeah. Like, quite like this is easy. This CFL yeah, game is like, easy. Yeah, it's easy, but, Montreal had been our, our kind of our nemesis, um, that whole year. I don't, you know, we lost to him both times in the regular season. And, um, we, we play that game, like the conditions are really bad. Um, our starting running back who had an awesome year was out with injury. Um, so just a lot of things that we're dealing with. And, um, you know, we, we had a touchdown called back. So just, and they had like a Pat Woodcock catches like a, 
the longest touchdown in, in Grey Cup history. So a lot of weird things are happening. And um, eventually we get back into the game and we go down and, and we, we score a touchdown. Um, I don't even know how much time's left. Not very much time's left. And so we're down two. And we we uh, go for the two point conversion and, and miss the two. Point. Do you remember the play call? Do I don't remember the play, remember call? The play call, but it was oh, kind of like on, a um, man. I got a lot of offenses going through my mind. <laughs> I don't even remember that the playbook from one year to the next. It's like you got to refresh yourself. But uh, yeah, you hit the reset button. Yeah, um, but we we basically motioned Terry Vaughn across uh, to the boundary, and he was going to run a flat route, and we were going to kind of run a little rub. Uh, route to kind of get him open and um, I dropped back and the DB um, you know was was good coverage but uh, just threw it a little bit a little bit high um, and missed missed Terry I mean it wasn't he wasn't wide open or anything but uh, missed out on the on the two-point conversion and we ended up kicking an onside kick and like the guy returned it for a touchdown. So, um, oh, that's how the they score. Okay. Yeah, I look, um, got it. Okay. Got Cause I was wondering, I'm like, but, man, they scored yeah. pretty quick. So losing that at home, um, wasn't as tough for me being a rookie because you're kind of thinking, man, I had, you know, I'm happy. You know, I, I, um, got the play. Got us to a great cup. Um, mm-hmm. we made it to a great cup. I didn't have anything um bad like it's not like it was late in my career and i we had lost you know two gray cups and we just lost another one so everything yeah. for me that year was like a positive other than yeah i was i was heartbroken we lost the gray cup um so the next year 2003 um another another really good team we have we finally beat montreal in the second half of the season that, that gave us a lot of confidence going into the great cup that year. And, and we ended up beating them in Regina in a, in a pretty, um, not as, not as close as the game. I think we, we, we played a lot better than they did. They had a bunch of turnovers on special teams and stuff. And so we, we were in control of that game for the most part. So then in 2005, um, we get to the great cup game and we're playing Montreal again. It's weird. Like all three of my great cups in Edmonton were against Montreal and the two I played in Toronto were against Calgary. Um, but we're playing Montreal again. And that's the whole story is, man, I wasn't playing good. Um, kind of the second half of the season. Um, and Jason came in the last game for like the last three minutes of the last, like I played like every snap of the whole year. And Jason comes yeah. in, we're playing in Calgary the last game of the season and we're losing. And uh, he comes in and uh, I mean, I, I was, I was struggling. Like I wasn't playing great and he comes in and boom, 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 right down the field, throws a touchdown pass. <laughs> and so we kind of go in to um, the playoffs. We have to go back to Calgary. So if we would have won that game, we would have finished in first, had a bye and hosted. We lost the game finished in third and had to go back to Calgary. Wow. And so with Jason coming in and doing his thing, it's kind of like, Oh man, what do we do? You know, Ricky's not playing great. Jason came in and did that. Like, so controversy kind of starts going, right? Yeah, for sure. So anyways, um, we go back to Calgary, um, struggling again. I get benched at halftime. Jason comes in we're losing. Jason comes in brings us back. We win the game. 
so now we're going to play the the West final in in um, Vancouver against BC, and it's like the same thing: who sh- who should play, who should play, who should play. So, coach is like, we're going to start Ricky, and Jason will be ready. So we go into that game, and it's a back and forth, and um, we're down. It's like maybe third quarter, I think. We're down a score or something, and coach comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to let Jason play. So Jason goes in and plays awesome, and we end up winning the game. So now we're going into the Grey Cup back in Vancouver against Montreal, and it's the same thing. Who should play? You know, what should we do? Same thing. Coach says, Ricky's going to start. Jason will be ready. So um, we go into that game, and um, same thing, back and forth. Like, um, you know, I'm not sure if, like, I'm going to get pulled or what's going to happen, but uh, it's just a back and forth game. Um, I coach for some reason leaves me in. We're, we're, we have a drive. We're down a score. We have a drive and we get third and four and we run six eleven. same corner out with two hitches. I drop back. Um, I think they were supposed to be in zone. And I think somebody, either the halfback or the corner was supposed to be deep and the guy bites down on the hitch and I throw a 34 yard pass to Mookie Mitchell to keep the drive going. And wow. we go down and we, and we score, um, right before the end of regulation. And I think we're up three points. So then Montreal gets the ball and they, you know, Calvillo drives him right back down and he throws a pass and it hits one of our DBs like right in the chest and it like bounces up in the air. And another one of our DB like dives and goes through his hands. And so it's like, Oh, you know, we're like, (laughs) man, that could have been the end of the game. And so they kick, they kick a field goal and we go into overtime and, um, I can't remember if we scored first or they scored first, but we, we tied up a couple times. And, uh, so then, then the last overtime we kick a field goal. And so Montreal has the ball and yeah, I mean, those plays unfold and it's just like, <laughs> it's agonizing. I mean, you know, he gets a tip back, he throws to a wide open guy, but it's like an illegal play. Well, I think we sack him on a, on a play and like our head coach celebrates a play early. Yeah. I think the yeah. game was over yep. and yeah. So, I mean, just crazy stuff happening. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's probably That's harder as a fan to watch it than actually as a being, yeah, being in it. Cause you know, you're, you're kind of, you are somewhat a fan, like when, when you're not out there and you're watching and you're watching your defense or whatever, but when you're out there playing through it, you're just trying to stay focused on, on the task at hand. And, um, I mean, it was just, just one of those games where you just got to try and stay in it and, uh, you know, stay focused and, and try and try and make plays when you can. And, uh, 57 plus three. Yeah. 57 plus three, man. You gotta, you gotta be ready for anything in the CFL. No doubt. That's no CFL, just the way that unfolds, especially in the gray cup. Like, come on now. Yeah. Um, I got to talk about, uh, obviously, 2017, but before that, I want to tell this story. of when At Old Mosaic, I got to tell this story. Do yeah. um, you remember this? I do. 
So we're in warm-ups and uh, Ricky's like, my arm feels weak. And I'm like, what? Your arm feels weak? He's like, yeah, for some reason it just feels weak. And so we go back to the locker room after pregame and we just hear like this grunting and everyone's like, what's going on? And so me and Logan Kilgore walk over to the shower and Ricky is going full throws with his helmet in his hand, just like yanking his arm forward. And Logan and I are just standing there like appalled, like, no way he's playing a game. And you're just like, I gotta wake my arm up. I gotta wake my arm up. And you go out, Rick, and I think you're like six for six for like 142 touchdowns. And I'm like, Rick, you gotta do that before every game. Just just talk to me. I guess because we have a, obviously a lot of writer listeners, just yeah. talk to me how much it meant to you playing in old mosaic and your thoughts of new mosaic, like the new stadium, and just uh, obviously you touched on a little bit earlier, but actually playing games in those hostile environments, um, yeah. just talk to us a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that story. So that was the year I came back, um, from a sh- shoulder injury, soldier, shoulder surgery. And I mean, I was still, still struggling to be consistent throwing the football and, and my arm was weak and, uh, very inconsistent. And I just remember in, in pregame, like, my arm just felt like tight and like weak and like, man, I just couldn't throw. And so, um, I went into the, to the shower and I took my helmet cause it was like the only heavy ob- object that I had. And I was trying to like mimic a throwing motion to try and get my arm to, to loosen up and, and come back to life a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Cody and, and, um, Logan saw me doing it and, and, you know, started joking with me about it, which uh, it's nice to have teammates that, uh, you know, keep things loose, um, you know, to allow you to not get get too uptight about stuff. So, um, yeah, I was just was that, was that the first time, Rick, you ever did that? No, or I mean, have I, you done it? yeah, no, that was the first and really only time that I've ever done the shower, throw my helmet. <laughs> Deal. like that was a unique experience and uh yeah it's funny because we go out and like the first two drives we we uh you know score some long touchdowns but uh really that was all that ha- like we had a couple good drives but uh nothing great the rest of the game that's probably why i didn't do it again uh, the next week. But, uh, yeah i mean just just crazy man like uh my arm just was was not feeling good and and was trying to get it loosened up and uh these guys caught me in in, in the act i guess but uh, yeah, the- mosaic i mean yeah just uh yeah probably the probably the best atmosphere in the cfl um just uh a tough place to play um as a as a visitor and a lot of a lot of good memories from from playing there you know some big wins um uh, winning my first great cup there um have it but also having some really bad games there um and when when you're not playing well in mosaic i mean it, you can really, <laughs> you can really hear it i mean the fans are on you um you really it's weird how playing in in front of fans really help um kind of put your emotions to different extremes like when you're you're the home team and and the crowd's going crazy it really gets your energy and your excitement to max levels and when you're the road team and you're not playing good and it's getting loud mm-hmm. and they're calling you names. It can put your, <laughs> your confidence at really low stream extreme. So sure. uh, that's what mosaic has. I mean, it's just, just one of those places where 
man, you gotta, you gotta get off to a good start there. Or it's going to be, it's going to be hard to hear. You can't even, I mean, you're yelling out plays in, in, in the huddle because the guy standing three feet away from you can't, can't hear what you're saying. And then you get up there yeah. and, and somebody's jumping off sides and it just, it just the snowball effect makes things worse and the crowd even yeah. gets louder. So, um, but that's, that's what makes it fun. I mean, at the time uh-huh. you're, you're hating it, but, um, when you, when you overcome that and, and you can go in and, and get a big win in, in an environment like that, uh, it, it makes it all worthwhile. Uh, but yeah, as, far, no as far as the new stadium, um, just, I only got to play there once. Um, but, uh, I mean, just a beautiful stadium, um, lot, lot nicer looking than the old mosaic, uh, a <laughs> lot more professional feel than playing at the old mosaic. Uh, but the crowd is is still the same, still still a tough crowd. To, <laughs> I remember the turf was so soft that first game yeah. we played in it. Oh, it was like getting tackled on a bed, you know. You're like, oh, I don't mind getting sacked. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird. Like usually, usually turf is really nice the first year or two you have it, and then it gets gets harder and harder as you play on it. But yeah, yeah that was that was really nice turf, and um, I remember it being really hot. Like I remember hydrating a bunch before the game and getting out there and then eventually it, it, it cooled down. But, uh, but, uh, just, yeah, the start of the game was, um, was just hot and, and just getting used to the new surroundings. I mean, you're so used to playing yeah. the old mosaic, just, uh, having a new experience there and, and being a tough environment, uh, made, made things uh, a little bit more challenging. That was the game Deron Carter made that one-handed catch that's up for a catch of the, I guess, decade or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, this place is going bananas right yeah. now after that catch. <laughs> I mean, we played it. We played a back-and-forth game. And I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. we didn't get off to um, – actually, it might have been my – was it my second game there? No. It might have been my second game there. I, I can't – no, it was my first game. But, yeah, I mean, um, no, it was my second game because we played there in 17 um and then they're in 18 but uh my first game there in 17 it was yeah back and forth game i mean you're right duran had a unbelievable game i mean he was making catches and um going crazy and and we got down to the goal line one time and it was really loud and we had i, I can't remember i think sean might have snapped it earlier or something like oh that's right chest, and i was able yeah. to pitch and then i just kind of had to throw throw one up to the corner and we ended up settling for a field goal and then i do yeah. remember that yeah wow. so well fast forward to 2017 right we got to talk about that um just the great cup uh how, how it felt that whole year um we signed coach tressman what what went along with you and, and him retaining you and keeping you around because i remember at the end of 16 you were like well I don't think I'm going to be here next year. And the the way things kind of played out and um, Tressman came in and then we win a great cup. And I must say the first year I win the backup job and and you're the healthiest you've been in four (laughs) years. So I want to appreciate you for letting me sit on the sideline a little bit longer. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. 2016. So I, I, I'd missed all of 2015 really and played like the last couple games. And then, um, 2016 was my first full year back and um I got hurt again like week four or five hurt my knee and missed uh a few games there got healthy again 
and then um, got hurt in the Labor Dang. Day game, I think it was. And <laughs> that's when you collapsed your lung. Yeah, that's when I, I collapsed my that. lung. And then uh, we celebrated with some McDonald's afterwards. Yeah, that was, that was a weird game because I got hit and like I just could not catch my breath. Like it felt like I had just had the wind knocked out of me. And I mean, I just couldn't couldn't take a deep breath. And I could barely, you know, call the plays in the huddle, like, you know, get enough wind out to call the plays in the huddle. And, um, but, but then like, as the game ended and like, I was riding home with you guys, like, like I was able to, to breathe kind of normal. And like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, hopefully it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, but it ended up, I get an x-ray the next day and ended up being a collapsed lung. So I, I missed more time. And then we, we trade for Drew Willie. And so, yeah. I was just thinking, man, you know, I'm, I'm getting hurt too much. Like they, and they traded for drew and like, they're obviously, you know, putting some investment in him and I just wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, as far as, you know, what opportunity I was going to have, if I was going to be back in Toronto, uh, what role it would be. Um, plus, you know, we were going through some change with GM and head coach that was all up in there. And, yeah. and so finally, um, I knew I wanted to come back and keep playing. And so when Trestman got the job, he called me and just asked me, Hey, what are you thinking? And I, I was like, well, I, I want to keep playing. Um, I want an opportunity to compete, uh, for the starting job. Um, my arm isn't what it used to be. I'm a little bit limited on some of those things. And he just basically said, well, you're, you're my guy. Like, um, you're, you're the starting quarterback, um, until we decide otherwise, like, um, so just having him say that just gave me a lot of confidence, um, going into training camp yep. and, uh, just knowing that it was basically my job to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then just kind of throughout that season, I mean, just playing, I, I really enjoyed playing for coach Russman. Like I had a, a, a really good relationship with him. He showed a lot of confidence in me. Um, I really liked his approach to coaching more than just X's and O's. Uh, yeah. I liked his approach of, of trying to have a great locker room and try to treat um, your teammates with respect and try to act like a good person when you're not on the field and even when you're on the field. Just a lot of good lessons uh, yeah, life lessons. It's sure. funny because me and you joke about a lot of the things that he did say, even eating in piles. Day, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just making making you just yeah more than just X's and O's. And so uh, yeah. how that season unfolded because we were at one point. I mean, we were what were we like two and six? We were four and seven, oh, but we were first seven, yeah. first first in the East at four and seven. Yeah, four and seven. <laughs> and um, most of the time when you're four and seven. First of all, you're not first in the East, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that helped. That helped not being in last place to kind of hold us together and, and still give us um, hope for the season. But also, um, you know, Coach Trustman did a good job of just kind of sticking with um, everything he expected out of us and being, you know, consistent with that. And eventually, um, we got things turned around and uh, had a great run at the end of the season and in, into the playoffs and um, just a, what a magical season because yeah, it was um, just to see the way that we kind of came together and the contribute 
distributions that everybody played. I think that was one great thing about Coach Tressman too was um, he tried to involve everybody to show the importance of everybody, whether no it was the video guy or you know the ticket manager or yeah. you know the four string receiver. Um, that everybody had uh, an effect on how we were going to do as a team. So I think it gave everybody the feeling that what they did mattered. And then yeah. to see that unfold um, throughout the season of guys making contributions that um, you wouldn't necessarily recognize or um, understand the importance of maybe just one play here, one play there, but how, I mean, he used to say that, we're going to change each other's lives forever. And, and to have all that happen and um, unfold. Him, book, him, him booking the parade. He's like, this is the day of the parade yeah. at the beginning of the year. He's like, make your plans now. This is the CFL or this is the great cup parade. Yeah. We will be here. Just, and it manifested it. It was crazy. Yeah. Just, just like you said, I mean, just having a plan, uh, a total plan and, and sticking with it and to see it unfold and execute exactly how he laid it out there was, was, was pretty awesome. And then just the little things like, um, I mean, from the first meeting we had was, was running to the football. Yeah. You run to the football because you don't know what's going to happen. And how many times he showed us guys from the first day of training camp, sprinting to the football and showing how much they love football and playing for each other. And, um, you know, doing the little things, to the Great Cup touchdown. To having that, that was running happen. for football, yeah. yeah. To having that happen, um, which really gave us the chance uh, to win the Great Cup, um, is definitely seeing something unfold like that is, is pretty awesome. And then what's the first thing we show in our meeting after we win the Great Cup, right? He, he showed that. He showed the clips yeah. of training camp, the guys, the same guy, yeah. Cleon, running to the sprinting to the football day one in training camp. And then the great cup clip of him running to the football and knocking the ball out and having guys around the football and being able to return it for a touchdown. Um, so powerful. Just, yeah, yeah. So powerful. One thing before we get to our final segment, um, a lot of people are kind of interested in like the enigma of Ricky Ray because he seems so mild mannered, but like guys like Brandon Whitaker have said, you're the top three funniest guys and you don't have a social media and you used to take the, the go trains in Toronto to the game. So just kind of like, I guess, dispel some people's thoughts about you. Like, what are you as a person? Yeah. Um, man, I, I guess I would say, um, if I was, saying some things about myself, I would say that, um, I'm pretty easygoing. Um, I try and keep things in perspective. I try not, I try to be serious. I, I guess I'm kind of right in the middle. Um, you know, I try and be serious, but not be too serious. Um, you know, I, I'm, I would like to say I'm pretty humble. Um, I'd like to say that, um, I, uh, you know, try and lead by example. I'm not going to say a lot of things. Um, you know, outwardly, I'm going to try and do it with, with my actions more than anything. Um, so, and with the funny thing, I mean, yeah, I, I, I have a sense of humor and I like to, to have a good time. And, and Ricky's funny. He's funny. And, uh, <laughs> I don't like to take things too seriously. I mean, Cody and I room uh, together for that year and, and 
you know, we had a, a great year of, of, of uh, just being able to talk a bunch and uh, spend some time around each other. And um, I don't know. I just feel, uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about myself. Um, yeah. I owe you a lot. Yeah. I mean, I owe you a lot just watching you play the way you studied. Like just you're one of those guys, like I can, it's probably easier if I talk about you than it is to talk about yourself. Just like one of those guys that is just a pro in every aspect of the game and life and like not only football stuff, but like I looked up to you with your like family and how you were a dad and how you're a husband. And it was just how you handled the media. There were so many little things that I took and I didn't realize till this last year when I actually started playing. Like I was like, man, I'm just like a, a mini Ricky Ray right now, <laughs> you know, so that and but that's what I think you and a guy like Travis Lule my I give you guys all the credit in the world because I wouldn't be where I'm at without you guys. You guys have done it. You're the trailblazer for me. Right. Yeah. Showed me how to do it and when to do it. But yeah, once you get to know Rick and he opens up, he, he's pretty funny. He's got that dry <laughs> sense of humor like uh, like Peyton Manning, but sometimes his his little dad jokes will get you and you'll be like, man, come on, Rick. <laughs> yeah, that's probably corny. have some corny humor. Um, yeah, I mean, I just tried to um, – I mean, I, you wouldn't say like I'm not the hardest grind – person that worked so hard and grinded and just you know did all that but I tried to be consistent I tried to prepare um prepare hard and and work hard and um be focused out there um take it serious um I tried to really what it came down to was I just wanted people to believe in me I wanted my coaches and teammates to believe in me that that I you know could could do it and if that meant me um, taking notes and meetings and paying attention and, and going to the weight room and staying after practice. I did a lot of that just for my own self-confidence to, to give myself confidence that, um, you know, I was ready and prepared, but also, um, so my teammates would believe in me as well. And, um, you know, that's just, just what I tried to do is be consistent and the same every day. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess that's what you see of me out on the field as well. Like my emotions are going to be pretty consistent throughout, throughout the whole game. And, uh, mm-hmm. and try, when you I, took the field, Rick, when you took the field, I, you would have never known just looking at you, what the score was, what type of yeah. part of the game was, if it was the great cup, it was the first game of the year. If it was the first series, if it was the game winning drive, like every time you took the field, it, it was a lot like golf. Like you just had this yeah. consistent, like, this is how I'm going to go about my business. And yeah. I know I'm a good quarterback. And that was, that's really hard to do to put your emotions aside and just go out there and do it. And so, yeah. I mean, I applaud and, you for that. That, that. That's just what helps me. Like, um, for me, it's easier for me to do that, to be, um, and that's how I deal with things. Like I'm, I'm more of a quiet person. So, um, you know, when I get nervous or, um, I need to focus, I get quiet and, um, that's why I, I really enjoyed having guys like Logan and you and, uh, you know, a few of the other guys, just because we, you guys kept it loose, um, in the locker room and it was mm-hmm. easy, for, easy for me just to kind of relax a little bit more that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the way that, that worked best for me, like, um, just to be even, even tempered out there and some people it's boring. Uh, some people it's, Hey, you know, he's, he's consistent. Um, it's not going to work for everybody. Um, I do like watching, you know, a guy like Tiger Woods who fist pumps and, 
Yeah, you know, gets fired up. Gets mm-hmm. fired up. Um, I, yeah. I do really enjoy watching athletes like that. But for me, that just it just never worked for me. It, it for me staying staying in control was in control of my emotion was more of my my place I felt the most comfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Our, yeah. our last segment here before we let you go, we've had this has been a tremendous interview, by the way. So we appreciate yeah, your thank time. You. Um, we do this thing called the two minute drill where we ask you questions. You got two minutes to see how many questions you can get through. Some oh, of them perfect. have answers. Yeah. Some of them are yes or no. Some of them, you know, they're just kind of fun and silly. Uh, yeah. I believe Darian Durant has the record at 21 questions he's gotten through. Our first three <laughs> interviewees, they all got 19. So okay. pressure's on here, Rick. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'll start the timer once we get through the first question. The way we'll do it is I'll ask these first 10 questions, and then Isaac will ask the next 10, and that's kind of how we'll break it up. All right, so you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. How many people reside in Happy Camp? Uh, 1,500. Favorite Grey Cup you won? Uh, 2017. Why? Uh, Just because um, at the point of my career – it just all the things I had been through personally as an athlete and some of the teams we'd been on just just very satisfying to have have that chance again. Nice. How many yards did you throw for in the CFL? Uh, Sixty two thousand ish. How many years have you been married to Allison? Uh, oh man, um, sixteen. <laughs> Do you des- <laughs> do you deserve an MOP? No. What's the worst thing a fan said to you? Um, pervert alert and a picture of me, <laughs> picture of me on a newspaper with the headlines "pervert alert." <laughs> oh, I gotta stop the clock there. That is absolutely hilarious. Where was that at? I'm stopping the clock really quick. Winnipeg. Oh my gosh, they're brutal over there. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Starting back up. Um, I'll start it after this one. So. What's something you're afraid of? Uh, I guess failure. Best score in golf? Even par. Biggest regret? Oh, man, lots. But uh, when it comes to football, I wish um, I wish I would have – early in my career, I spent a lot more time with my teammates um, outside of football. And later in my career, just having a family and stuff, I didn't get to spend – um, as much time as I, I wish I could have, um, with, with just being able to golf and hang out with my teammates, um, outside of football. Nice. What would your rapper name be? <laughs> um, man, ah, oh, geez. I don't even know. Um, I'll go, Give me with, some I'll, go I'll go with a uh, nickname. My neighbor had given me, uh, when I was a little Rick, the stick. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Uh, what's your go-to lunch? Um, my go-to lunch is probably some sort of panini sandwich. Is bologna just hot dog pancakes? Um, I would say I'd agree with that. Are you a big fan of Dr. Seuss? Um, no. Best letter in the alphabet? R. <laughs> Best midnight snack? Um... Anything sweet, chocolatey. What in life is underrated? Um, the little things. Name two things that are refreshing. Um, a nice, chill, like cool water swim and a cold drink. 
Time. Uh, <laughs> Ricky, you took love it. long on some of those answers. You're like going in <laughs> deep on your biggest regret. So we know that's definitely one of your regrets. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Allison, Mary, oh, she's going to be upset with you. you, we, you? we can cut that out in post. <laughs> It don't matter. We're, we've had too many years to keep count. Uh, some of the answers. Happy Camp has 810 people there um, oh, as opposed to 2020. And you threw for 60,736 yards. Oh, pretty I overestimated. Impressive. Yeah, man. You got higher I expectations. Should have, I should have thrown for 62,000. <laughs> Oh, that was awesome, Rick. You are honestly, that, that was so much fun. And usually our episodes are only 45 minutes, but we could honestly have gone two hours with you. You got so much to talk about. Sure. I feel, yeah, now that I'm done playing, I feel more excited and and nice to talk about, you know, football and what it's kind of meant yeah. to me and all that. Now I get a chance mm-hmm. to kind of reflect on that. When I was playing, I tried to just put the past in the past and just keep moving forward. But now um, this gives me an opportunity to kind of reflect a little bit more and um, be open a little bit more. And it, now that I don't have football talking about, it, it's kind of my, my outlet, I guess. Yeah. That's incredible. We appreciate you coming yeah. on and yeah. just being able to pick your brain and over a legendary career. So well, thanks. Thank you guys. Yeah, no problem. Thanks Rick. And that'll do it for episode eight of the Rouge Report. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as we like recording it. He's a fascinating guy and an even better football player in person. So thank you to Ricky for coming on episode eight of the Rouge Report. And as always, remember to subscribe and leave your comments to us so we can cater the show to you. Thank you for listening to the Rouge Report presented by Young's Equipment, a Rough Rider podcast. You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your MacDon headquarters. When you're in the field this harvest, let MacDon lead the way. MacDon headers are built tough to deliver worry-free harvesting performance with any crop, in any condition, and on any combine. Remember to go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package.